1: Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Hang on! It's off the chart spectacular.
1: Go, go, go! Tom
0: Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made.
1: This is getting exciting.
0: Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
1: to the USWNT Hour Show. I'm your host, Lisa Roman, joined by CBS Sports.com writer for U.S. Women's National Team and NWSL, Sandra Herrera, and two former U.S. Internationals, Danielle Slayton and Lori Lindsey. We are so happy to have everyone here with us. You can join us live on YouTube.com slash Attacking Third, and you can listen to all of the USWNT Hour shows on the Attacking Third podcast. Download and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all the places that you listen to your podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome in. Sandra, I just saw you this morning. It's great to be back with you. But Lori, Danielle, welcome in again. Uh, Lori, it's been a minute. How are you? I haven't been on here with you in a while. How are yeah. you?
2: Yeah. I mean, well, as good as can be given everything that's going on in women women's soccer, but good to see everybody. And like you just saw, Sandra, I just saw D earlier today. So good to see you
1: again. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: happy to be here and good to see your faces again. It has been a minute.
1: It certainly has, but we're happy to be here and live with everyone on YouTube. I have a $100 Paramount Plus gift card to give away during this live. Subscribe to Attacking Third on YouTube, like this video, and drop your social media handle without the at symbol in the chat for a chance to win a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. We have a lot to talk about today, so we're going to get right into it. A pair of friendlies that the U.S. competed in, one against England. We're going to recap that and preview the match that the U.S. will play tomorrow against Spain. And we're also going to talk about the latest in the independent investigation by Sally Yates and the results that came out of that. Um, Let's just start right with that, because uh, Sandra and I, you have talked a lot. You and I have talked a lot about it um, with Attacking Third. But now that we have former U.S. internationals here, um, I really want to pick their brains on this. So with everything that came out with the investigation results, um, kind of how uh, everything went down with this, the findings from the investigation uh, led by former Attorney General Sally Yates, uh, revealing that the NWSL failed to provide a safe environment for players and repeatedly ignored these players' allegations of abuse and inappropriate behavior by coaches over so many years. It's it's devastating, it's heartbreaking, and it's so frustrating. But um, Danielle, I want to start with you on this. What was your reaction to these results that came out from this independent investigation?
0: Mm -hmm. The the same that you just said and the same that I think so many of us are experiencing, right? It's devastating. It's heartbreaking. It's gut-wrenching. And it's a lot to process in a short time. And I think the, the important things for us to Takeaway, at least where I'm trying to get to, is how do we make it better? How do we make it right? How do we make sure it doesn't happen again? And um, how do we continue to provide a voice for our players, whether they are, you know, young, medium, old, and everywhere in between, um, and what our role is in uh, in making it a, a better, safer place going forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's exactly um. I feel the exact same way. I mean, Danielle said it best, and I think there's been a lot of us former players too um, in communication, right, and checking in on one another as well and what we can continue to do more and going forward to exactly what Danielle said, continue to work to ensure this never happens again.
1: Yeah, we've uh, seen a lot of different players and, and NWSL clubs and even sponsorship of clubs. Um, releasing statements about this. Um, Sandra, is this the response from players and, and clubs and sponsorships that you expected after this fallout, or what were you expecting after these results?
3: I'll be frank, no. I'll be frank. No, I wasn't expecting that. I think that we've been navigating in a space where we've seen players um, used to being handed you know, the bare minimum of things. And um, being told to, you know, put your head down, punch your clock and play. Um, So I am a little surprised at some of the more um, more of the like direct action that we've been seeing uh, from certain franchises and from certain sponsorships of those franchises and of the league. Um, I'll say pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. because I was anticipating That this was, you know, with everything that came out, that it could have potentially been, you know, just another thing that people didn't want to focus on, you know, just one of those things where it's like, oh, well, that's very sad. That's very sad, but, you know, got to move on. So there's a part of me that's a bit of a mixed bag, Um, still processing those very terrible things while also you know, trying to maintain a bit of hope in some of the things that we've been seeing. I think a lot of people are uh, trying to do their best and sort of, um, you know, similar to last year, take the lead of the players, right, and sort of um, see how they're reacting to it as well and sort of taking the lead from from them. So to, to hear... Um, Sponsors and partners saying that they want to uh, divest their their sponsorship funds directly to the players' association. Association, I think, is very promising. Um, but I think there's there's still a layer of that accountability factor. I think that that folks are also still looking for, in the meantime. Yes,
1: some of those sponsors, um, Alaska Air, Sherman Williams, GE Appliances, saying that they were going to reallocate their funds directly to the Players Association to support the Players National Emergency Trust. Um, And uh, there will be more to come, right? There's continuously reactions coming from this. But one of the very first to put out a statement following the investigation results was U.S. Soccer. And one of the things that they mentioned in this is that they com- created a brand new committee of the board of directors to, quote, comprehensively address the report's recommendations going forward. Because in the Sally Yates report, there were a number of recommendations listed for what U.S. Soccer and the NWSL could do Um a a number of those statements listed out there and and players can, or excuse me, anyone can go read that and that investigation. But um, the committee is... It was said from U.S. Soccer to be working with the leadership team to determine appropriate plan to act upon the recommendations laid out in the report. In the report, and some of the people named to this, uh, Daniel Slayton, you are named the chair of this committee alongside uh, CEO Mike Kalina and Lori Lindsay. You're also on this committee along with uh, three other members. So I want to ask you two. Um, what is your role on this committee? I mean, Danielle is chair, and then Lori is someone on this committee. And, and how did this come about uh, for under U.S. soccer?
0: Yeah, um, <clears throat> well, you know, as we we all read the Yates report, and there were 12 major recommendations that came from Yates and um, her law firm that U.S. soccer um, was to, to review, overlook, and ultimately the recommendations that she hoped that the federation would implement. That 12th recommendation was figuring out some kind of implementation plan, whether it's by committee or task force or whatever needs to be. And so um, that committee got put in place immediately. There are six of us. Is that right, uh, Lori? Six of us? Six or seven of us on that committee. Um, And our job is to take the words that come from this report and actually figure out how to implement that strategy. Um, We actually just had our first meeting today, so we are moving and shaking, and it is a lot to tackle. Um, Our primary responsibility is going to be focusing on the the recommendations that came from this report. We know that there's a lot outside of the scope of the report. We know the NWSL and the PA still have their investigation and they're going to come out with more information, Um, but once you know what you know you gotta go and we're not waiting around for anything else and so we are going to start to tackle some of these recommendations um and we'll, ultimately we'll tackle all of them um, address all of them move on all of them um, we know things are going to come up that are outside of the scope of what Sally Yates and her team recommended, and U.S. soccer is also putting together a task force to kind of, okay, great, this isn't in the initial report, but here's the other stuff that's coming up that we need to address to make our surf, our sport a better and safer place, um, and so there is a ton of people who are focused on this. Um, priorities are getting shifted as a result of this, um, and this is something that is the highest priority in U.S. soccer, um, and we are dedicated to not just making statements, right? Like the statements, okay, great, yeah. love it, it's a good start. But this is about not just writing policy or changing code of conduct, but it's about doing those things and then following through with implementation, with action, with compliance, putting resources to the things that need to be done and really ensuring that from you know our professional level down to our youth level that our players are safe. Um, and that's what—that's what the small job that we have ahead of us, um, but are like, uh, I guess, honored, called to be a part of, um, motivated to to be a part of, and we know it's going to be a lot of work. But I, I can't think of more important work than this.
1: Laurie, how were you part of uh, that conversation, and, and how how is it these people chosen to be part of this committee and to join this this call to action?
2: Yeah, I mean, essentially, we were just asked to be um, by Cindy Parlacone, um, given, given the Yates report. And I mean, I can't really say it better than what Danielle just said. I mean, today was our first um, meeting. Um, and I think, you know, the main thing is, is like looking at the 12 and what can we tackle right away? Um, because there are, are going to be some, to, to Danielle's point, that are um, going to be a bit more complex going forward and take uh, more time. So it was just looking at all of the different um, 12 recommendations and starting to sort through those on highest priority also. But given that they're all extremely high priority, but what again, what can we implement right away? And then what do we need to dive into and maybe um, divide the the committee up even to to start to
0: tackle some of the um, some of the tasks.
1: I can't say, I can't yeah. say
0: that. I mean, one of the things that's really important um, is any committee, and this this goes for really any committee, any um, task force that U.S. Soccer has. It's mandated by law um, that a third of any committee has athlete voice re- uh, representation. And so that's part of both um, Lori and I are, are sitting as part of this committee to make sure that we have athlete rep- representation. It doesn't just always mean U.S. Women's National Team representation. It could be, you know, um, athletes from the men's team, the para team, the beach team. Like, But I can say that our huge focus, and quite frankly, this came out of USA Gymnastics. And and what happened there was I think NGBs, national governing bodies like U.S. soccer, like USA Gymnastics, USA Basketball, realized that athlete voice um, is an essential piece to safety, to successful business. Um, and so this is part of why we are here having the voice um of athletes and, and representing athletes and quite frankly being in communication with athletes about how we need to communicate what their needs, what their desires are. I mean, again, Sandra, you talked about it. This is this, the more that we can continue to remind ourselves and put our players at the center of this, it's really easy to get bogged down in the weeds and the details of it, but everything we're doing is player centered, player focused. Um, and that's really at the heart of of every step, every action, every communication we take
1: that's so powerful to hear um and and to have two former players as yourselves uh, acting as those voices on the committee is fantastic because I, I think it echoes the current voice of the players that's there because we saw the united states women's national team uh this friday when they they played england in this first of a pair of friendlies uh show unity and and a common cause between the united states players and the England national team. They they were ar- teal armbands in solidarity with the sexual violence survivors. Uh, they they gathered together before the game uh, with the Protect the Players banner. It was um, a very big movement that is now not just involved in US soccer, right? Because other nations and other federations are, are getting involved with it. Um, Sandra, watching the, the U.S.-England friendly and watching the players come together beforehand and, and knowing that they were going to wear the teal armbands um, in solidarity, uh, how powerful was that moment to, to hear the players give their voice before a friendly the way that they could?
3: I mean, it was very moving. I think, you know, we saw last year with coming out of games in, in NWSL how uh, it really is the pitch, right? The pitch is the platform. And we've seen that uh, not... Primarily from the United States women's national team that they will um, try to use the platform that they have in front of them in order to, you know, either show solidarity or get their messaging uh, across. And it was um, it was nice to know that even before in, in the in the match day, in the lead up and build up to the actual match day that. um you know, members of, of England's women's national team were uh, also expressing solidarity. So I think it was just a matter of what that was going to look like come the actual kickoff. And um, seeing that and just sort of absorbing the silence uh, of that moment, in which everybody was taking a second to observe, um, was very powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, you had almost 80,000 people show up for a friendly, mm-hmm. a friendly against two of the, the biggest programs in, in the world. Um, and unfortunately, there was this added layer within all of the anticipation of this game that could have maybe soured some things. But I think we saw come come game
1: day how very powerful the vehicle of soccer is, right? Yeah, and how smart and strong and powerful these women are. But using the vehicle of of the great game, as you just mentioned, Sandra, um, I'm going to use that as a sweet little transition to talk about this game because USA versus England, the first in a pair of European friendlies for the United States women's national team. It was the world champions against the European champions at Wembley in front of a sold-out crowd incredible scenes to to watch this on television. I can't imagine everyone that was there and and how they must be feeling. Uh, But England snapping the United States 13-game winning streak uh, the English side, end up defeating the Americans 2-1. to one. All of the goals coming in the first half, uh, but there were a number of players missing. And and we had talked about this in our preview, but from England's side, there was no Leah Williamson, no Alessia Russo. Uh, from the United States side, no Alex Morgan, no Taylor Corniak, no Mallory Pugh at the last minute in this one. So um, uh, let's dive right into it. Starting lineup that was rolled out for the United States side, Alyssa Nair in goal along the back line. It was a Lana Cook, Sophia Huerta, Mm -hmm. Naomi Gurma and Emily Fox in the midfield. It was Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle and Andy Sullivan. And then up top Trinity Rodman gets her very first start with the United States women's national team, Sophia Smith, and then Megan Rapino. Did anything stand out, surprise you all from this starting lineup? I know Sandra and I talked about what we wanted to see in this front line. Um, Blacko not going out for the win, going out to get experience for these players. Um, what's the first thing that stood out to you, Lori, when you read this lineup?
2: Um, you know, I don't think a, a ton of surprises um, in the lineup, given um, some of the the time that Megan Rapinoe had come off the bench, um, especially with Malpeu um being gone so her getting the start I I don't think was like um a big surprise and I mean I think we've seen the majority could have said you know surprising that uh Becky Sauerbrunn didn't get the start but other than that I mean listen Naima Gurma was dynamite um in the back and so yeah not too many surprises in the starting lineup um from where I'm from what we've seen previously or at least leading up um to this game what were your front three that you were you were both looking for?
3: Oh, I wanted Rodman to start. Yeah, same. Oh, yeah, fair, fair, yeah, fair. I was just like, enough. <laughs> I kind mean, of,
2: I, I, kinda, I have, that, that's a good shout. I mean, I th- I figured she would um, coming in just because if you don't have Alex Morgan and then I mentioned Malcolm yeah. yeah. a second, I was hoping that she was going to um, start anyway. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted Rapino, I wanted Smith and I wanted Rodman up top and that's what I got. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, But there was a lot of I'm energy. Really thrilled, uh, with, uh, I'm with you. I was totally thrilled to see, um, you know, Germa get tasked, you know, with the star as well. Um, I think it was a little surprising that it was like a, a Germa and, and Cook combination because I just sort of, it just sort of feels like up until this point, it's either been one of the center backs alongside uh, Becky Sauerbrunn. So to see the two of them, mm-hmm. um, together in, in this very big spotlight, um, definitely felt like a bit of, of a test, but, uh, and they got one pretty early on, but, um, I liked the way that duo sort of played themselves back into the game.
0: Yeah. It, it, good. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it might, it might be time. Like we might have seen the shift happen. Right. Um, you yeah. know, I, mean, I think, Becky is obviously a fantastic captain, a fantastic leader but she's getting older. she's lost a little bit in terms of her speed and so I don't think um, I don't think like this transition is unwarranted. Um, I, my gut is that Vadka wishes he had a little more time um, but like you don't have the luxury of time um, when you're a national team coach, you don't have like club play where you can work on tactics yeah. and all of this like you got to jump in. and so I think it's great that Gurma got the start um, against, uh, England in a big profile, a high profile scenario like this. I think it's the exact test that was needed. I think she answered the call, quite frankly. I thought she was really good in her positioning. Um, and to me, this is probably my center back pairing for the world cup. Um, it really is. Um, and I don't mean to discredit Becky Sauerbund. I just really feel like, you know, the shift has to happen eventually. um, and I think now might be the time. I think we'll know a little bit more too once we have the World Cup draw and you kind of see some of yeah. the competition and who's in group, um, that might play a little bit more of a role too. But I also think that's perhaps why um, Megan Rapino gets a little bit of the nod. You're like, okay, look, we want a little bit of that leadership. Um, we're not getting it in Becky Sauer run. We have it in there and like in in goal. Um, so I think all of those factors layer in uh, when you're trying to decide a starting 11. And it's not nece- necessarily as simple as, oh, let's just switch these two. And it's it's a simple change in that way. I think yeah. there's a lot
1: of factors. Yeah. It's never as simple as you want. I wanted Germa to start in the back. I actually thought she would maybe start alongside Sauerbrunn, but um, I, I think that Cook did well in there. I like that combination, but you guys just touched on it. This is at Wembley, a sold out crowd. Uh, Trinity Rodman gets her first start. The back line between Fox, Gurma, Cook, where to that group of four, um, Fox leads them at 22 cap. So this was an incredibly young group. I think the average cap of the starting 11 was like 55 as a group, which is really, really low. And Megan Rapinoe is bringing that average up a lot. But does how much does that challenge them against a tough, loud crowd at Wembley? How much does it benefit those young players? Because, hey, we're heading into a World Cup year in just a few months. How much does that benefit these young players?
2: Oh, that's awesome. But that's also what you dream about. That's the excitement of these are the games you want to play in. And I think that that is uh, exceptional, right? This is what we want to see. And this is also... why the NWSL is so important because it's putting Naomi Gurma in a position to lead her San Diego wave team. And then she can step right Mm -hmm. in to our full women's national team in front of 80,000 people and perform like she did. And so those are why those minutes, those are why um, those games are so important, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is exciting times. And I think next summer's world cup is going to be one of the biggest events um, we've ever seen in sport. Um, That seems I think a big thing to say, but I really think it's going to be one of the biggest events we've seen. And so they're going to be playing in front of these crowds. So give these players the opportunity. I mean, they deserve it. They, um, and you want to test, you want to test, right. And see, and I think the same goes with Trini Rodman. There was a um, a lot of talk because she hadn't had a ton of minutes under Blacko in front of big crowds. Right. That's a goal in my opinion. She put herself in a great position um, and she, you know, sees the day and, I mean, when you look at some of these players that had to step in and you want them to perform well, they did. And so I think overall, listen, it was a loss. But overall, I I thought it was a, a lot of good takeaways for the U.S. team coming out of this game. Keep in mind,
0: too, like all of these players, especially these young players, they could maybe have five or ten more caps if it wasn't for COVID, right? So there is – and even, to, even if you get those caps, like y- – You're playing in empty stadiums, you're playing in a totally different environment. And so there's a little bit of catch up, not that anybody did anything wrong, just as the hand that the world was dealt with COVID. Mm -hmm. So I think getting younger players these minutes and these caps is critical um, because there is a developmental loss. We'll never know exactly what it is or how to calculate it, but COVID really did have an impact in terms of the decisions that Vlako can make in terms of rolling over and bringing new players in or having to stick with older players and not even having the ability to bring anyone in because no games were happening. Right. So I think there's um, even more weight and importance that are going to be factored into these games leading up to the World Cup, just because, you know, over the course of the last two years, that time has been lost.
2: And also uh, that's a great point, Danielle. And also the fact that we travel because Yes, yeah. we 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 don't travel that much. And then to travel and now we're gonna get another game against Spain, I'm sure we'll look very different, uh, maybe in terms of the environment. But um important is um with this group to see what it's like to travel away, um perform with not a lot of preparation time, having to adjust to with jet lag and just the t- the time change. So um really important aspects I think headed into next summer.
3: No, I'm yeah. with you, know I think it's a really important you know, point that you bring up about, about COVID. I just sort of feel like now in 2022, we're starting to see some of these players kind of get back into that more kind of regular consistent form. I think you, when we even were looking at the younger players, if we're looking at a player like Smith who, you know, went pro at a young age, but then obviously 2020 hit the, the reset button on literally everything around the globe and just not really sort of having that regular season under her belt during her rookie year and then Watching her in 2021 and we're seeing in 2022 what, you know, regular consistent play could look like for a a player of her talented caliber.
1: So many great takeaways from uh, this England side, but I want to talk about some of the goals that were scored, maybe not scored. Laura, you already said it. The Trinity Rodman (laughs) goal for you. It's a goal. It's a goal. I'd love to hear that. Um, Kind of how the game unfolded for this U.S. side, uh, ultimately losing 2-1 to against England. All the goals in the first half, and VAR impacting two of the goals in this match. England gets on the board first in the opening 10 minutes. The U.S. then equalizes in the 28th minute on a Sophia Smith goal. That's that's. Smith's 10th goal of the year, um, 11th career goal in just 24 appearances. I think that that she has 10 of her 11 goals this year. Um, does feed back to what you were just talking about, Danielle, about how this team – couldn't get caps in 2020 with the COVID year and everything that happened. Uh so then it's equalized in the 28th minute. England then takes the min- takes the lead again. Just five minutes later, a penalty kick that was reviewed on VAR. Uh defender Haley Mace kicks bronze in the face and then Sanway scores the PK. And then Rodney gets a goal called offside. VAR review. Laura, you're laughing. What do you what do you think about the the PK? The I just love the way goal. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: yeah, what I'm laughing yeah. at.
1: Kicks her in, in the face. Kicks her in the face. I mean, it, it also happened like five minutes later. It felt like when they were uh, reviewing the play, but because it was inside the box, it ends up being a penalty kick. But um, the Rodman goal uh, that was tremendous. I I thought it was a goal as well, Lori.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen. I think you know it. This game to me, um, you know, you can. You can look at some of the stuff where the U.S. can improve for sure. Mm -hmm. And then you can also look at the areas where the U.S. can dominate. And I think they exposed England in some ways in transition that even England would say that they haven't been exposed, not even in the Euros. So, and one of those was in that goal. I mean, the the ability to be able to have free-flowing front line in that play. I mean, it was – I enjoyed watching – uh, Sophia Smith playing that central role. We see her more occupy that space um, with Portland. Um, obviously, a, d- a different formation that they play, but for her to be able to roll wide and and kind of get on the end of that ball, and then that allows for more fluidity for a Trinity Rodman and then Megan Rapinoe. So I thought it was um, a fabulous goal, and I think it's really tight call to make um, personally. Um, but I'm also just like you know enjoying as a fan and like <laughs> wanting to to call it a U.S. goal. So. Um, but yeah, I mean I think listen, there's there's a lot of takeaways in the fact that like you can look at this if, if Alex Morgan's is healthy, does she get the start? Right. But so right. no, Sophia Smith is in there, it gives them a different look. All of these little elements add to versatility going into the world cup which is the ultimate picture and what all of these tests are to evaluate the team and evaluate players and to see who fits the best and uh you know to danielle's point too i think that is something really important to keep in mind is that it's not always just like okay who's the best 11 right it's about who's fitting the best um in different positions who's your opposition um, and how are we lining up um, against who we're playing and, and who can help us get the result? And, you know, I think in a lot of ways it was a lot of fun to watch. And there's some, some stuff that um, should be incredibly proud about.
1: When you look at this uh, side for the U.S. defensively, um, yes, having a a younger back line. But, Danielle, you said that Cook and Gurma, they're your center backs moving forward, barring any changes that happen. But um, how do you you, uh, rate their defensive play against this England side and and what they were faced with in in forms of the England attack?
0: I think um, they did a fine job. I mean, I think it – Let's be honest, the left-back position had a rough day. I mean, between Emily Fox and going out with concussion and then the Mace um, penalty kick, like, it was rough, right? I mean, there were some mistakes. But, like, overall, I I guess I feel a little bit like like Lori, that, yes, you know, the United States (laughs) – is expected to win everything all of the time. Um, and, you know, there's that pressure. <laughs> and we talk about what was it like a 21 game streak that was broken and blah, blah, blah. But um, I think it was a really great um, developmental opportunity. I think a lot of questions were answered for Vladco, which I think is important. And when I look at the back line, um, sure, there were mistakes made. Like, sure, it wasn't clean. Um, but Like we're used to seeing, we're not used to seeing the the United States play against a team this high of caliber consistently. I mean, this is the reality when you get against top 10 teams in the world Mm -hmm. consistently is like you are under pressure. And when you look at a young back line um, that is, is forced to be playing against a top team in an environment like that, like I'm okay with the progress. I'm okay with, you know, giving them some time to grow and, and to learn. So was it great? Was it terrible? No, I would probably give the backline a B minus
3: in there. Like putting a grade on it, respect. But
0: that, <laughs> like, that's a, I'm okay. Like I'm actually yeah. like pleased with the fact that yeah. it's a tough challenge and that there's things to grow from. You learn more and you from the mistakes and and the growth in that. And I think it's a critical time for that growth.
3: Yeah. I think leading up to the game, there was more, there was like heavier emphasis on that. I think also considering the week that the players had leading up to this yeah. game, right. With everything happening off of the pitch, um, that there was far less emphasis on like a, like so much of like a result, whether it's a winning result or if it was a draw and there was a far more emphasis on uh, the overall event and experience of that actual game as a whole. And yeah, um, You know, we're not talking about some kind of blowout here by any means. We're talking about a 2-1 loss that was, you know, largely one of the bigger experiences of the careers for some of these players. You know, I think that uh, the coaching staff was perhaps hopeful that they would have gotten some similar experiences during CONCACAF qualifiers with the games in in Mexico. And there was, you know, perhaps maybe that final group test right against Mexico where they uh, were the visiting side and the opposition and the, the crowd was somewhat against them. That was maybe the one time over this calendar year that maybe they sort of had that experience. And I think it, you know, we heard Andonofsky in some of the post game, you know, saying that it actually checked off a lot of boxes that they wanted, um, you know, to sort of have checked off as they were leaving England. And a big one of those was getting more experience for some of these players playing in front of that type of crowd and that type of facility and, you know, being the, the visiting opposition. And, uh, you know, should they find themselves in difficult game scenarios, how those particular players were going to manage that. And, um I think a 2-1 loss, a near a near 2-2 draw, I don't think is a, a bad day at the office for that squad.
2: Yeah, it, I'll also say, I'll add to that, I think sometimes defensively we just think of the back four. And I think in a lot of ways yeah. the back four did you know, a good job. And I also think it also highlighted if we don't get the press right all the time, when we do, we can score from it. Obviously picking off the ball and then that led to Sophia Smith's goal. But if we don't, then teams like England will be able to play through that, and then leave us exposed defensively. So I think it highlights as a collective the team and how we're defending, picking our choosing our times, when to press as a group. Mm-hmm. If it's not on, perfect time to play against an England team to drop back in more of a middle block, absorb the pressure, and then the team's successful on, let's be honest, on, on the counterattack. So play for right. that sometimes, you know? So yeah. So more so I think it highlights – what does the whole entire team look like defensively and how are we, um, you know, how are we dealing with the pressure and the ability for a team like England to be able to play through and play out of the, the press?
0: And to be fair, Laurie, I mean, I don't think the midfield was great defensively. No, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. That's
2: what we need to that that talk be about before we talk about Spain here. To be very clear, I think that is an area. I mean, we've talked about it on this show too, just an area to get sorted out, right? Like what's your what's the best mix? Who's pressing? Because it did look like we were in a bit of a 4-4-2 kind of defensively formation at times yeah. with Rose popping out next to Sophia yeah. Smith. But if you don't pinch in, then what does that look like? Because they you have players like Kira Walsh who um Danielle and I saw throughout the Euros just dictate the tempo like you've never seen a number six in a long time do. And then yeah. you add the in standway in there um those players can play and they had control in a lot of ways of the game yeah
3: i was but, thinking of you danielle i was thinking of you watching this game i was just like i think danielle might have some things to say about that middle third
0: well yeah but then but then you look at the, the goal that it scored and it scored from Lindsay Heron pressure right like exactly. so it, i mean you know like, there's what
2: i'm saying so if you get it right we see that we can get from the goal and if it's not on though then you can drop back yeah exactly
1: so, so what's the biggest thing that you learned about the United States midfield and maybe what they lacked or what they did well throughout this match?
0: I mean, I, I, I think I take away a little bit. Um, like they're, I, I, I need them to focus consistently on their positional play. Um, to me, I think that's still like the fluidity on attack is great, but it's just like – you're thinking about the attack and these players are attacking oriented when you think of, you know, Lindsay Horan and you think of Rose Lavelle specifically, but you throw in Ashley Sanchez or whomever might be in there, right? Like their strength lies in their attack. And so mm-hmm. how how you're thinking about your shape defensively, like if you have like a quarter of your brain turned on to the, the, like as a defender, I'm always thinking of if this goes wrong, how do we solve it? If this goes wrong, how do we solve it, right? And so as an attacker, how are you pr- like having most of your energy thinking about how to develop the attack, but having a small piece of your brain focused on the worst case scenario. And it, cause it can't just be Andy Sullivan. I think we had the luxury of Julie Ertz, like being this destroyer in midfield for so long um, and she would just clean up any mess and nobody really had to think about it because she was great at it. One, I think the game is evolving. That it doesn't allow for one person to be solely responsible for that. And two, I think, you know, Andy Sullivan has a different kind of game. And so the collectively, the U.S. needs to think differently um, about how it manages that space in midfield. Um, and so for me, I think it's, it's time um, and it, it, it takes some more effort, but I still think there's evolution there.
2: Yeah. I'm laughing because um I was gonna say resting defense, but you I know, might <laughs> have a joke about um, soccer terms that are thrown around. So right. as you can see she's right. rolling her eyes. Yeah, resting exactly. So resting defense people say, like, you know, what positions are you in when you're an attack that you can disrupt defensively, right? So I'm like cracking up in my head over here unnecessarily. But um yeah, I mean I agree. And I also think there's you know, some of the things that we've talked about on here is what is formationally does that look like? Do you right. play with two holding mids um, or two two pivots? Um
0: double pivot.
2: Yeah, double pivots, exactly. Um, or or you know, or not. And then what does that look like just in terms of who's filling in the gaps? Um, is that an outside back that steps in as a number six next to to deny any sort of transitional moments? But again, we've talked about that. But those are the things I think that and they're small details, right? But everybody has to be on the same page because otherwise. You do get caught, especially as the, as the teams continue to get better. Um, the game evolves, as Danielle said. So,
0: yeah. And the reality is quite frankly, at the international level, you don't have the luxury of one solution typically right. being the only solution, right? Like sometimes it will have to be an outside back who shifts in. Sometimes it'll have to be a center back who steps up. Sometimes it'll have to be um, Lindsay Haran or Rose Lavelle who drops in or something like you have to be able to solve all of these problems. And I think the game has evolved in that way. And that is like the best skill that I can tell young players is like figure out how to solve the problem. It can't just be a coach yelling at you from the sideline saying, run here, do this, do that. Like you have to be able to read and assess and solve the problem. And quite frankly, that's why Naomi, uh, Naomi Gurma is so good at what she does. Yep. She can read and assess and then solve the problem before it even really looks like a problem. Um, and that's that's the next step for for this player or these players collectively to have to be able to do that.
1: It's really fun to watch this team grow and evolve because it was such a young group, but they got significant minutes against high class quality competition against England. Um, a lot to pick apart from that first England match, and we have another friendly coming up for the United States. They take on Spain. I want to talk all about it. Pick your brains on everything U.S. versus Spain, and we're gonna do it right after this quick break. Welcome back to the USWNT Hour. I'm your host, Lisa Roman, joined by Sandra Herrera, Danielle Slayton, and Lori Lindsay. We're here talking about everything US Women's National Team, and they take on Spain tomorrow night on Tuesday. Before we jump back into it, I want to remind everyone, I've got a $100 Paramount Plus gift card to give away, to enter. All you need to do is subscribe to Attacking Third on YouTube. Like this video and drop your social media handle in the chat without the at symbol. If you win, you'll get a DM out, DM from us and you'll win that $100 Paramount Plus gift card. Let's chat about the U.S. versus Spain. Following the England match, uh, Emily Fox, defender for the United States, the left back, she came out in the 22nd minute of that England match, and she is now ruled out uh, due to concussion protocol. So, Black Lenanowski has called in North Carolina Courage defender Carson Pickett to replace Fox on the roster. Pickett has one cap with the U.S. that came in June earlier this year. So now she will join the roster. But the United States takes on Spain to Tuesday, October 11th, uh, number eight ranked team in Spain in the world. So two top 10 teams, really tough competition. That kickoff is happening at 8.30 p.m. local time. That'll be 2.30 Eastern time. I can't figure out all the time zones for everyone. I'm just going to stick with two of them for now. But it's the fourth meeting all the time between these two sides, the U.S. and Spain. Uh, Spain coming off a 1-1 draw over Sweden over this first match of this FIFA window, Um, but when when you look at what the U.S. just did against England, losing 2-1, narrowly tying it 2-2 with that VAR goal called off, and now as they head into a match against Spain, um, let's talk about the differences first, right? How does Spain play differently versus an England side? Are there any major differences in the style of play that the U.S. players will face going up into this different match away in Spain? Lori, Danielle, Sandra, anything specifically about this Spain side? that jumps out to you?
3: Well, I, I think the, the first thing is that it's, you know, it's not the roster that uh, I think they anticipated facing going into this one, right? I think it would uh, be irresponsible of us to, to come on here and not touch on that a little bit. You know, um, unsurprisingly, uh, players in this sport are affected all over the globe, and that includes uh, players in Spain playing for the Spanish Federation. And, you um, There are a number of uh, very talented players who are not on this roster. Uh, There was 15 players who sent an email to the Federation and and wanted to try to be heard. Um, They did that out of privacy and they wanted to try to maybe, you know, facilitate a dialogue. And uh, the Federation uh, spun that a bit on them. And uh, a lot of these players are not participating in this current international window. So it's a different looking roster. That the United States is going to be going up against in the meantime, um, but this is also a roster that just, like you said, Lisa got a one-one draw against uh, against Sweden. Um, so I would I would imagine that there is still going to be a certain level of competitiveness to this to this match. I I don't you know I don't fit anything otherwise.
2: Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Say, I mean, I think you know the one thing that we expect is this is a team that's going to want to dominate possession in yeah. Spain. We know that um, you know even with a considerable amount of players um, missing, that is in their DNA, right? to To keep um, to keep the ball, keep it moving, get combination plays, right? Overloads in different areas. And I think that's a, an important test as well for a team like the U.S. because as of late outside of the England match, I think we're the ones that have the, had the ball the most. So what does that look like? How do we deal with that? Um, again, I think it's this kind of similar questions, um, maybe not as direct. I don't think they're going to be able to be as threatening as one thing that was a, a talking point in the Euros um, was not having a true number nine, a, a player that was going to cons- constantly threaten the two center backs or the back line of the opposition to get in behind, I would expect that's probably the same, um, coming in, coming into this match against the U S so that'll be different versus the England. But I think, you know, the same questions you can ask is when we press, are we going together? Um, because that will be a team that for the most part will look to try to play out, um, and try to expose us centrally, um, to then be able to get into the attack with numbers. And then, um, and, and then also, if if we don't decide to press, can we stay back as a unit and then look to see if we can punish on the counter attack? And what does that look like? And what is the partnerships? I'll be curious about the starting lineup. I expect there nice. to be some rotations, right? And who gets more numbers? I mean, who who gets more minutes? Um, which I, was always valuable and exciting, and I think just poses a little bit of a different test. But the, I think the the idea. That the u.s is going into this game to continue to evaluate continue looking to get a win um in this game is all the same
0: yeah i mean to me the thing that stands out um like the united states matches up well against england they're both similar in the way that they want to play physical they like to be in transition um you know the england may be not quite as transitional as the united states but like that's a fun matchup you're in wembley yeah. like there's all of the things like Playing against Spain, and I actually felt this was the same way when England had to play against Spain in the Euros. Um, I think they went in the quarterfinals. Is that right? Yeah, yeah the quarterfinals. Yeah. Like this game is a grind. Like this game for the United States. Like we like to be in possession. We like to be flying. We like to be like pressing here. And I'm telling you, if you get one person pressing, and the, the nine other don't follow, Spain can like skin you. Like they can. Like they will pick you apart. And and a game against Spain is like. You have to be prepared to suffer. Like it's just not the way you love to play. It might be as a fan a really fun game to watch and beautiful soccer, but when it comes to like having to defend for seventy percent of the time, yeah. it comes for having to stay connected and chase and pick and choose your moments. Like that's not the free flowing style we've become accustomed to see, and that's not how um, the competition usually stacks up against the United mm-hmm. States. So when you think about this game, like I'm really eager to see what it will look like, especially as you guys have mentioned, um, these um, 15 players that are, are missing for Spain. Like, I still think it'll be a decent uh, side that we'll see. Lori, to your point, I still think that despite the, the absence of these 15 players, the style will not change. The identity of yeah. Spanish soccer will be ever-present. Um, but I'll be really curious to see um, if they can move the ball as effectively against the United States um, and if they can basically – execute the way that they want to because even when we look back to the Euros, the absence of Jenny Hermoso and um Alexia Putellas, like that had a real significant effect on right. the success of of Spain in in the Euros. And now you deplete that even more. And I think it's gonna be a big challenge for them. Um, but I didn't see the the I just saw the result. I didn't see the the actual game between Spain and Sweden. So not really sure how that played out like from a, a technical and tactical standpoint. Um, But that result is significant. That's a good result for probably both teams. Um, And so that can't be discounted either.
1: When you look at the the U.S. side and and how they are going to have to have that defensive mindset, even when they do have the ball, because Spain can punish a team um, uh, with their possession and the way that they can move the ball so technically skilled. Uh, when you look at the United States midfield, um, what player rotation do you want to see from there? Because I, I know I want to see Ashley Sanchez get significant minutes for this United States side. I want to see what she can do alongside a Rose Lavelle. I think Vlaka Manonofsky calling in a player like Sam Coffey deserves some significant significant minutes in the midfield, but but player personnel wise, um, who do you want to see get more minutes in this match against Spain? Um, Maybe that didn't in this first match against England. Uh, Laurie, I'll start with you.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think Sam Coffey is one that I would like to see in there. Um, She's a player that I have been high on um, the entire season. And I think she's done incredibly well with um, Portland and we saw her come in and I think one of the first touches of the game was, was solid and with confidence against England when she did come in those um, last minutes. So I would like to see what it's like. I and mean, we saw her play almost either a full 90 or almost full 90 against Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this will be a different test than that. And um, you know, one of the things we've talked a lot about defense on this, uh, on this podcast today, uh, but I would like to see, Sam Coffey get on the ball right and so once we do win it with the U.S. a player even if it's Andy then a player that wants to get on in that number six position and really start to to move the ball around because I don't think we've seen that as I think that is one of the things that a lot of us have been wanting to see a little bit more dictating of the tempo um, moving the ball deciding rhythm setter right of when when we're going to go a bit more at speed when we're going to slow things down and there could be an opportunity for that against the Spain team when we do win the ball. So um, I I don't know if, you know, I'll be stoked for, for whoever plays, right. Like um, it's more about like, I think the way that we play is what I'll be looking for and and who can kind of put their stamp on that. And I think that is the next element. I mean, we know that we can hit in the break and in the counter and we saw how dangerous we can be. And I think there has been question marks on when a team maybe essentially does drop back a little bit. How do we keep and how do we break down that um, that defense? And I'm not so sure. I'm with Danielle. I didn't see the the game against Sweden. I'm not so sure that they'll just drop back. But I don't think if they can't win in the press immediately, Spain, and win it back, I do think collectively they will drop in somewhat to at least give us an opportunity to see if we can play. So I'll be I'll certainly be looking for
1: that. When Spain, if and when Spain does drop in, what do you want to see from the U.S. attack? How do you want to, to see them combine and, and go forward if they do have a little bit of space?
0: I mean, I think the width becomes incredibly yeah. important, right? Um, I mean, and I think that's a real strength of this team. You see Mallory Pugh, you see Sophia Smith doing their thing. I have to say, like... I I actually don't want to see a lot of different changes. I'm ready to see some consistency out of Latko Antonassi. I'm not saying that I'm I'm not saying that that means we don't have a couple of tweaks here and there. Um I mean obviously like the question to me is do you start Haley Mace? Do you put Crystal Dunn back there? Like how many minutes? Like I think it's a load management thing more than anything with with Crystal. Um do you put her at left back? Do you put her in the midfield? Everyone's going to like debate. What <laughs> position. Who knows? I don't know yet, but really like, can, like it, it, to me right now, it's about getting her minutes and healthy and like getting some repetition under her belt. Um, and so to me, okay, maybe you put her um, out there a little bit or probably start Haley and bring Crystal Dunn potentially on um, for that. But I don't know that I really want to see a ton of changes other than a couple. And I think, um, I don't know, that's the bandwagon that I'm on now of it's time to start solidifying yeah. who's gonna be there. I mean, obviously there's still missing pieces, right? I mean, there's no pew. You kind of can plug her in at the left mid uh the left winger, most likely. Maybe, but like even at a striker position, it's it gonna be yeah. Alex Morgan, is it gonna be Kat Macario? Is she gonna be back? It's gonna be Trinity Rodman. Like, so give Trinity like a little bit of a run here. Like, give her a chance to like get some confidence, as opposed to being like, you're in, you're out. Now you have to be a starter. Now you have to shift mental, like mentally, and come off the bench. And I don't know. That's that's where my guts leaning today, at least.
3: Yeah, I'm with you in your gut, Danielle. Honestly, I just don't know if uh, it's it's a rare opportunity to have a two game series in in Europe like this. So. Why not, you know, have a little bit of continuity there um, calling in picket, you know, and in light of Fox, I'm a little bit curious if if there is intent there, you know, to, to start this 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 player, um, which listen, we've been covering. Carson Pickett all through the regular season with uh, with the courage. So yes, I would, I would love, would I love to see Pickett fly, fly, fly down the flank? Yeah, of course. Um, but I, I don't know, um, you know, if, if we actually will uh, see, see that happen, but I, I would like to see some carryover from what we saw in that match against England in this uh, match against Spain.
1: Yeah, I agree. I want Trini Rodman up top for sure. I want to get her some consistency. And I think the way that she played against England, getting what would be the equalizer in that match against England um, proves that that she's ready for this and that give her that confidence, as you mentioned, Dee, and just keep running with her. I'm excited for this match against Spain. I want to hear final score predictions from from all three of you about U.S. versus Spain. Final thoughts on on anything else you want to add in here. Laura, you first. Final thoughts on this episode before we close out. And, of course, your score prediction for for U.S. Spain.
2: Yeah. uh, You know, I'm just excited for another game and a a different opponent um, for this U.S. team. And um, for all the things that we've already said. Um, But, God, a score prediction. Oh, geez. I mean, I like actually have no clue. Um, I don't even know where to begin in a score prediction. I, mean, I can throw something out, but um, yeah. Have
3: fun, with it. have fun with it. Be like touchdowns yeah, yeah.
2: Wow. Wow. I, 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 I think we're, we're, we're seeing some fun performances, right? I'd like to see, um, you know, more goals from Sophia Smith from Trinity Rodman. So, I mean, I don't know. Two or three zero US. What I'm going
1: with? Oh, I love that.
0: Right on. Got to shut up. shutout. Two one. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, yeah. I don't really know why. It just feels right. So what did just, you say? Two one. Yeah. Fair. Sure. One US. Um, uh, and I think it'll like again. I'm just really curious how the United States will be able to to break down Spain, how to weather their their possession. Um, I think it's a really good different test. Um, and i'll actually be interested to see um you know like given all of the 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 stuff that's been going down in spain like you know will we see the teal armbands again what will yeah. that look like um i think you know obviously the spanish players are in a in a i mean a, a line has been drawn right um yeah. in spain and so there there there's a lot And I just say my heart goes out to um, all of the players in Spain as they navigate whatever it is um, that's going down there as as we feel the same way here in the United States. It's a hard time in U.S. soccer right now. It's a hard time in global women's soccer Mm -hmm. right now. But I just keep thinking, like, like, let's just get all the virus out, like, let's get it out right now and um, let's find a way to actually, like, repair this broken arm instead of putting a Band-Aid over it. Mm
1: Yes, really said so so nicely. Um, thank you so much, Danielle, for that sentiment for sure. Sandra, score prediction. You got one against Spain. You're gonna have me
3: do a score prediction after Danielle just carried <laughs> us on, on- Yes, well, I wanna heck? know your score prediction. Oh, uh yeah, I'm maybe I'll maybe I'll be bold too and say shut out and but only two zero.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking trinity, two zero trinity Trinity gets that banger back. Yes. I, I love to hear that from uh, from Sandra about Trinity. I'm with you, Sandra. 2-0. Trin gets one. Let's get Sophia Smith one, too. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Reminder, you can watch the U.S. versus Spain Tuesday. Um, October 11th, 830 local, and that kicks off at 230 Eastern time. Thank you everyone so much for listening and joining us today. Danielle, Lori, Sandra, thank you for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third for more. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review. It does really help us out. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube, catch all of our interviews and get alerts for when we go live, youtube.com slash Attacking Third. Thank you everyone so much for joining us.
0: Great right Grab your VIP pass.